0: What's up, and welcome back to Now Nostalgia Pod, your weekly look at what's going on in pop culture. I am Pat Sheehan with my co-host Dave Martinson. Dave, happy Monday, man, and happy December.
1: Crazy, dude. Look at our Spotify playlist. How is "Francis and the Lights" and "Stir Fry"? Our first two songs. Those songs came out this year somehow.
0: Yeah, it's it's crazy. And if you want to go look at that and follow it, go to Spotify and search nostalgia best of twenty eighteen unbelievable we've we've reviewed i don't know how many different pieces of over hundred music alone and then movies t v it's it's been a hell of a year and uh, i'm starting to look at that year end list and uh we we ta- i talk about it a lot, because i think i like to think about it in terms of how my really Where am I putting this in terms of the culture for the year? But when you finally come down to it, man, it's a little overwhelming when you got so much to work from. And we got a lot to talk about today. So before we jump into all this music and Green Book a little bit later on, please subscribe on YouTube. Go to SoundCloud.com slash NostalgiaPod and follow us any way you want to there. We're on iTunes, Google Play, however you like to listen to podcasts. We're pretty much there. And give us a rating and review on iTunes, all the feedback. Is appreciated. See, so yeah, someone, I don't even really want to do this review, but we should, premiered at number two on the Billboard album charts. Did some numbers.
1: Only three days on the chart, too, because the late release.
0: 6 9 maybe the most appropriate title name to describe an artist, Dummy Boy. Jesus Christ. This Give me a little bit of background on 6 9 Why Why don't I like him, Dave?
1: i mean you don't really need that much background because he hasn't been around for much more than the past year plus like it hasn't been that long which is kind of crazy how big he's gotten in such a short time and then as as anyone who has a pulse online knows he's uh now in jail awaiting a september 2019 sentencing for various rico drug related charges and whatnot And that's after he kind of got away with the uh sexual act with a minor charge from before so he's had a lot of legal issues it's actually really funny if you go on vulture.com great website they have a piece called the complete history of takashi 69's like legal issues or something like that and it's funny because it's always back at the top of the site when they update with new information because there's always new information because this dude can't stay out of trouble but that's also why he got famous because he's a troll he's a bully he's a disrespectful person that's that was his brand and that's also in his music. And I mean, we didn't review Day 6 9. That was the debut mixtape from earlier this year that had uh, Gummo, that big first single, which literally only dropped like last fall. Like it's really been, been, been short. But this new, new project, I mean, it had a lot of his other like, you know, street singles since. And the biggest song was uh, Fifi with Nicki Minaj, which obviously was a big hit. But I think the only reason we wanted to even review this is partially because it came out earlier in the week. Like literally on Monday, so we had time to listen to it before these other albums we were more interested in. Uh, so it's kind of a logistical reason we're actually talking about him, but it is interesting to look at though because this could be the last you know real project we we hear from Six Nine for some time because he's facing some really serious uh, charges and he's probably getting denied bail, so he's probably not going to be recording much for a long time. So the fact that this is what we were left with is pretty underwhelming but that's honestly been his whole career so i mean what did you think as someone who like me is not a fan
0: i mean i i I thought there were some songs that stood out i mean it's it's feature dominated i i feel like it's pretty much like okay this is gonna be my song with nikki and kanye this is my song with with nikki this is my song with kanye here's a boogie like fine whatever like it was it was nice to hear all those those people drop verses i actually thought kanye sounded pretty competent on these, which is encouraging, and hopefully he's carrying that that same spirit onto turbo graphics whenever we get it. Or no, what is it? It's uh Yandi. Sorry, Yandi now. If I don't give a shit about this guy. It honestly is where I stand with it. Uh I, I think he's seems to be a pretty uh knuckle headed person to say the least. I don't really unders I I understand why I guess these stars might wanna like Collaborate with him in order to up their fan base, but it's also like, what what's the cost of that? You know, like Kanye being associated with this person is this really something that he needed to do in order to get more fans? Kanye's already probably one of the most famous people in the world. Like, you don't need to be doing these sort of songs. So, not really sure what the the gain is there for for them. But the album, in terms of what it is, it's fine.
1: Yeah, I think you're being a little too nice. I mean. He get he gets dominated by all of these features. Heck, I even like Tory yeah. Lanez. Yeah. He was way better than and like that. And that's the thing. It's like six nine as a vocal, If we're just gonna talk about it strictly musically as a vocalist, he's incredibly one note. You know his you know blicky with a sticky flow. You know that shouty aggressive pitter patter bars. But that's literally all he can do when he's rapping, and he's tried to do new things since you know in this new year. Like Fifi, for example, that's a different flow. The problem is it's super washed out on the murder Beats uh, yes. beat, and then Nick kills him anyway with the feature. He tries to do reggaeton sounds, which he's, a, you know, he's Dominican. I guess that's fine. Problem is he's a bad singer. And B, if you're doing it with Anwell AA, another guy who just got out of jail, but someone who actually makes that kind of music, you're going to get creamed on those songs too. So it just every time there's a feature on this, it was, it was better. I think Little Baby, again, Crushed him on well, TikTok.
0: and i I think that's actually why I liked the album was it was the parts I liked were were these people doing their thing and being good at it, and then i when it was six nine I could just like tune out, like <laughs> I don't know
1: I also gotta say, I really wish that Bobby Schmerdiverse on the phone from jail sounded better. The mix is trash, and I again, he'd record on a phone from jail. <laughs> right. I can't be too judgmental, but you know. It's definitely free Bobby before it's free six nine. Well, let's hopefully, put it that hopefully
0: way. six nine was <laughs> taking notes because he's going to be recording a few verses from jail. <laughs> I, I don't really give a shit about this guy. Let's let's move on to someone that I'm a lot more intrigued by. Ski Mask, the Slump God, dropped was the second album of the year after Book of Eli.
1: I, I think that technically Eli was a mixtape, okay. but yeah, I think this is, this is. I think we're calling this his debut album from Ski. But I don't know. It's still a half hour. It's probably kind of a yeah. Take.
0: Awesome know. cover art though, like fucking great. <laughs> right? I, I went to Love the it. Met last week and I was like, if I had seen this in the Met, I would have been like, taken aback, but also so pumped because it's a boss ass uh cover of him just like what, in like an admirable admiral uniform or something like that. If
1: if you're watching on YouTube, which if you're not, please subscribe. I'm holding it up to the my camera it's not really coming through but it's kind of like the general soreness Jimmy yeah. Butler meme if you're familiar yeah. but like way more like portraity fucking yeah it's awesome. fucking
0: awesome um and this album in general I thought was pretty good um you know Book of Eli was pretty dark and like kind of grimy in a lot of ways and this was uh not nearly as dark at least in the, uh, I guess I didn't really tune into the lyrical content as much as I did Book of Eli, but just in terms of, like, overall vibe, it's a lot less dark, and I think the energy he brings throughout is what really caught me with this, is he's very infectious, and I just, uh, I found myself, I went actually from listening to 6 9 today to, like, prepare for this, to Ski Mask, and I was like, wow. This guy's so much better. It's unbelievable. What did you think of Stokely?
1: Yeah, I agree. I think Stokely is much more uh humorous, more comic than Eli. And both be having dark lyrics and then also having, you know, weird, weird, jokey lyrics. Those are two of Ski Mask's strengths. And I, I yeah, I think he definitely leans into the jokes more, but at the same time, like you said, the vibe makes sense. Uh it has a real vibe on this project. And it's funny because he actually does do some like Non-rapping, singing vocals on this, which is more or less new for him, and I thought it worked fine for what he was trying to do. By the end of the day, his strength is still just rapping his ass off. Something that six nine doesn't do well, you know. Ski mask, like, listen, my favorite song on this is called "Faucet Failure." Towards the end, his flow on that is, rules. I think it's one of my favorite Ski Mask songs, and you know, I think "Get Geeked" was really good. And then even, um, I really like uh, Ski on Nuketown. That was before Juice World comes in with the feature with uh, really yelling delivery, something I haven't really gotten from Intense. Juice World this year. So, yeah, overall, like I, I, like I said with Eli, I don't think Ski Mask will ever become a mainstream rap star. But, you know, the strength of hip hop these days is that there's so many little lanes and avenues. And Ski Mask definitely has his lane. He knows what he can do, and he's really good at it. So. I like to I like to recommend him to people because he is quite good. Yeah,
0: weightless. definitely. And just to kind of throw one more song out there, I really liked. I thought Foot, uh, Foot Fungus was really good. I really liked the beginning with like the the percussion in that. It's just like so heavy. It really like sucks you in. So um, definitely check out Stokely. Um, and if you're a college kid, go buy a poster of that album art because it's fucking awesome. Meek Mill Championships guys eagles win one championship and philly fucking loses its mind dude meek is interesting because when we started recording was when him and drake were really having beef and i'm pretty sure we have a podcast where we talked about how drake just absolutely bodied him like with with the powerpoint and everything
1: the powerpoint at ovo fest was uh was fucking mean Uh, drake drake crushed him and uh it's funny, just because I remember being so far out on Meek, partially because I was already out on him musically, and then having Drake crush him culturally, I was like, "All right, Meek's done." But I, I think I'm a lot closer to being back now. I don't know. It's 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 pretty interesting. Um, that I never really expected to get all this way. You know, he's like 31, I never thought I'd become
0: a a fan of Meek Mill again. But here we are. Uh, I I agree he's made a fucking comeback and since he got a job he fucking rang that bell at the sixers and then he came out and he dropped what that five track like ep
1: legend of the summer yeah
0: yeah and we were and we were like "Eh, it's pretty good like there's something here this album championships goes fucking hard i think the only knock i really have on it is i think it's a little long and can feel a little bit repetitive by the end but like up until Oodles of Oodles and Noodles, kids, like that shit is fucking fire to me. And even after that, I thought the twenty-one, the song twenty-one on it, was was really great. It just like you put it on, you just want, kind of want to run through the through a wall. And I, it's it's so funny because like Meek, I I keep thinking about that that meme of him like running around like ever after, after he got out of jail with like that big smile on, you know, it, and he's just like cheesing i don't know if you know what i'm talking about but
1: he no yeah yeah
0: he's got to be like doing that all the time now because that this guy is, has had the biggest turnaround in the last two years that i can remember
1: yeah and i mean to that point i think you mentioned 21 i think all the features on this are awesome and meek doesn't get bodied by these features he really compliments them well and you know cardi b drake obviously rick ross and uh jay-z we can talk about that one in a second but like I think the reason I like Meek more on championships than I liked on DC4 or wins and losses or even Dreams More Than Money back when the Drake Beef popped, like, he, he has some more substance to him now. And it's because of his struggles with the judicial system, you know? And, like, the fact that he, like, can, like, bring his street rap and really talk about, like, substantive struggle now I think really helps him lyrically. And, obviously, he's always been, like, a good rapper. He has, he has a good flow, but I always thought he was a little samey towards that you know, bad part. But now I think it's, uh, you know, he's really turned around and I he definitely feels motivated and he sounds good, you know? So I'm uh, very pleased with
0: this, got to say. Yeah, what was your favorite feature on here? I agree, a lot of them were really great.
1: I would say Drake, I thought was great. Yeah. Just because, you know, Rico, his 2015 album, that was the song where Meek accused Drake of ghostwriting and whatnot. Mm -hmm. That song was hot. That was the hottest song on Meek's debut album. Yep now this is their first song since, and Drake really brings it on this. But also, I thought Cardi dropped a really hot 16, too. Mm-hmm. And then even Rick Ross, a really inspired feature. Uh, obviously, the F word's unfortunate, but the shot he took at 6.9, other than that, I, I, I definitely vibed with. So, But then even 21, he's been on yeah. a great feature run recently. Really excited for that uh, mixtape, if it is in fact coming.
0: Yeah, I, I think going bad with Drake is by far the standout of this, but there really isn't a... a- a bad song on here. I think there's some that are definitely stronger than others. Um, you know, you actually highlighted "What's Free" with Rick Ross and Jay Z. I thought that song also went uh, pretty hard. So, um, and Cardi also like anything she's on right now turns to gold. So, just keep putting her on stuff, please. Um, definitely check out Championships, and uh, let's jump to Earl Sweatshirt. Earl dropped some rap songs, and I don't know. It, it's interesting because. My first listen to this album, I was kind of like, ah, I don't really know about this. This sounds really like almost like I'm listening to like an old record. Like it sounded incredibly like fuzzy at times. And also at times it was kind of like jarring, like the, the way that the samples were so chopped up and so looped. And then I listened to it a second time and I was like, oh, this is fucking great. And I'm not really sure what it was about the second listen. And I, the more I think about it, the more I think it was probably... I think the, the loops and, and the samples seem to really hit for me. But Earl just is so fucking good at rapping. It's like insane how good he is. And he's what, like 25 at this point? 24, yeah. 24. And this is his third album in like fourth or fifth project? Fourth solo project, third album, yeah. Of course, he was on the Odd Future Projects as well. Yeah, What was your take on, on this album? Because I think it was a, a bit surprising for what Earl's... Put out before.
1: Uh Yeah, no,
0: honestly, I wasn't that surprised
1: because we had those two singles, Nowhere to Go and The Mint, and those were basically what the rest of this album was. They were dense, conscious raps. And like you said, there is that weird, fuzzy vibe that takes getting used to. But Earl was getting to this kind of lyrical content in his last project, I Don't Like Shit, I Don't Go Outside. That was really the first breakaway from what he was doing with Odd Future. And... It's funny because if you I mean you think about Earl, he is this incredibly lauded lyricist, lauded rapper that has totally rejected fame, and it's really quite an interesting story. Like you said, he's, he's only 24, but we've known about him since he was 16, and it's been quite the long journey. Obviously, him and Tyler are still friendly, but have gone their separate ways musically because mm-hmm. they're very much in different lanes, and... What we have with Earl, and I'm really happy that he came back, even if this is a short project with only, what, 25 minutes or whatever it is, is, like you said, on second listen, once you get into this vibe and you kind of get accustomed to what you're listening to, he wraps his ass off to the surprise of nobody. And he has a lot to say. I still need to keep listening because some of those songs where his delivery is quite slow, he's still saying a lot. But in other songs like Cold Summers or uh, The Bends," like, yeah, these are like classic Earl rapping his ass off songs. So I was a big fan of some rap songs and I think obviously it's not a project for everyone. This is a, a project for people that either are attracted to his darker, sadder lyrics or are big fans of technical rap ability, right? But, you know, if you're a six nine fan, you're probably not an Earl Sweatshirt fan. So, you know, it's uh
0: it's definitely an acquired taste. And he, he self produces too, which I think is really uh pretty amazing because you know you think of like what Kanye does and how he's so known for chopping up samples and putting them in an interesting parts and using that to make interesting songs this is in a very similar vein it's funny though because he used you talked about how Tyler and him have such different lanes I do think one thing that they share is um, an interest in similar sounding music because like the jazzy vibes from flower boy I think really come through in this and it's interesting that they have that same through line of of musical interest because um you know earl moved from being west coast to collaborating with a lot of east coast people especially on the last album and then on this one you know especially like standing on the corner um is is someone that stands Mm -hmm. out and also what navy blue on on the mint is a, a new york rapper but it seems like they still have that i don't know that connection that you wouldn't I don't think anyone who listened to Odd Future when they when they first were forming what like 10 years ago now would have ever expected and yeah. they've become these awesome musicians. We talked about the internet as well. Um, who uh, lauded for their their musical abilities. Odd Future I think blew away everybody for what they became from what they were originally seen as.
1: Yeah, definitely. Yeah. It's um I mean on one hand like Selfishly, I wish we had like a Vince feature, oh. you know, because him and Vince are still close. They, you know, they they, they, up, they were hanging out at uh the Mac Miller tribute, you know, like recently. So, and there's pictures yeah. in the studio, you know, on social media the other you know, last month or something. So, they're so cool. And obviously, as we've watched Vince, who was an odd feature affiliate, not really a member, but he was cool with all of them from their, their early goings, as we've watched him blossom. And uh, we reviewed FM, of course, check that out, review out. So I got a complex nostalgia pod, but we watched Vince, you know, pop off. We watched Tyler totally bloom with flower boy and Earl continue to do what he always do- well, has done best. It's, you know, I kind of would love to see them reunite with you know, their power levels <laughs> have risen.
0: It would be cool. Interestingly, uh, I was trying to think of a comparable for Earl. Is there anybody you can think of? It's, it's tough. I mean, honestly, it's like,
1: you mentioned he's, he's got a lot of underground New York rappers on here. I'm not even that familiar with most of these guys. And he's lately been shouting out artists of that, of that ilk. Like he's a big fan of Ka. Um, Ka's an older rapper, but he put out a a really well-regarded project earlier this year under the Hermit and the Recluse name. And it's funny because <laughs> in terms of like mainstream artists, even artists that we've reviewed or, or acknowledged like, he hasn't really associated with much of any of them recently i mean especially i mean (laughs) mac miller probably would have been someone he he was in the studio the most with you know and obviously we know that's not going to happen anymore so in terms of contemporary it's tough man i I, nothing comes to mind to be honest it's like i wanted to say action bronson at first but like Earl, earl just tries harder than action yeah you know and vince I mean they're cool but like Vince definitely does different stuff. He's really more right. gang talk than Earl ever was. Earl never really was about that. Um yeah, I don't know. It'd have to it probably have to be some like some like low-key west coast artist I'd have to think of, but I don't know. It's a good question.
0: Yeah, I, I was just sitting with that and I think that really just highlights how much of a unique artist he is at this time. You know, he really like you said he bucks convention uh conventional stardom conventional uh hip hop and Um, If you aren't familiar with him, definitely take the time to do that. Um, His original mixtape, as well as Doris, I think are both really strong um, projects to listen to. So go back and check those out and definitely check out some rap songs. Uh, I think we're going to have one or two on our playlist. Dave, this Friday, the Grammys are announcing their candidates for their different awards for the upcoming Grammys and what. February, kind of crazy that it's happening so soon. It feels like the Grammys are forever away. And I, I was thinking about, I was like, huh, what, are, what do I remember about the Grammys last year? And I mean, I think one one of the probably the biggest takeaways was Best New Artist. You know, you had people like SZA in there. Who? There was one other person. Khalid. Yes, Khalid. And people were really rooting for them to take it home. But who ended up taking it home, Dave?
1: Alessia Cara. Yeah. Whose hit single had come out. Over two years before the
0: awards, there. Yeah. I mean, Dave, all she had to do was stay. And she did. She stayed in that new, the best new art category, and she fucking won that shit. And then she she blew up. And I was like, who the fuck's this Alicia Cara girl? I mean, she sounds like, I, I feel like she sounds like pretty much any other f- like pop female solo artist right now in a lot of ways. Interesting. Um, although listening to this new album, Growing Pains, I was pretty underwhelmed, but also a lot more intrigued about where she could go as an artist. Um, I thought at points I heard like some some Nora Jones type vibes in there, uh, which I thought was encouraging. But I also heard some very conventional pop, and I probably heard one of my least favorite pop solo female artist songs of the year in Nintendo games, which I think is just a fucking abomination you like this
1: thing. I actually had like, that as, I thought that was one of the best
0: songs. I, honestly, the, the <laughs> second funny. I heard her say, like, you're harder than uh, Zelda, like Ocarina of Time or whatever that line was, I was like, I'm out, dog. I'm like, corny ass.
1: Yes. That's true. Ocarina of yeah. Time also isn't that challenging. If she said, like, <laughs> Zelda 2 or something, I'd
0: respect the line more. But, but it's wh- not that accurate. Wh- what did you think of this follow up <laughs> album?
1: You know, it's funny. I actually, yeah, I, d- I don't think she sounds like most other pop artists. I think she's definitely like alternative pop music as opposed to just normal pop i think part of that is because she's not like this superb vocalist so she doesn't try and sing that way um you know you think of her hits from the first album know it all obviously here which was her big big song but also like scars you beautiful or wild things i think that's probably my favorite song of hers that was a big hit and you know she kind of brings like an interesting cadence to her singing that i don't see that you know that that easily replicated elsewhere in pop music um at least that's what i thought anyway i thought there was a lot of punch there was a lot of like edge to that project as an alternative pop album but then this album the pains of growing i was i was also underwhelmed i thought um it just didn't quite hit the highs Mm -hmm. of that first record or those first few hits she had and it's weird because like you need to acknowledge it i mean when she won Best New Artist, the song they played for her as she walked up to accept the award was her feature yeah. with Zed, Stay, right? What I actually think is, is an DM song. I like that song. Um, but that was her most recent hit alongside, obviously, her feature on Logic's 1-800, mm-hmm. right? And those two songs, I think, definitely get away from her original, you know, pop when she really, you know, started to take take off. and. I don't think she real. I think she definitely was making songs like 1 800 on this album. You think lyrically, a song like Seven mm-hmm. Days, for example, I think, like, she definitely has, like, you know, thoughts in her brain about, you know, things she'd like to talk about. But at the same time, I don't know. <laughs> She's if got the song's, thoughts. <laughs> I just don't know if, like, the songs sonically pop enough to want to hear them again. It's like, yeah, that's yeah, a nice message and you're well intentioned. But I just don't know if, if there's enough punch to this record. And I definitely thought song like her first song obviously it's a few years old i'm not telling her to sound like she used to sound or anything but like song like here like that was like you know she was on fucking hot 97 talking about that song you know why because she was from toronto area and she had hip-hop cadences in that song and the song was fucking great and then she made other hits that weren't like that like wild things and i was like okay this is there's something here i still think there's something here but i i don't know if there's a hit on this album i think that's a problem
0: oh i mean it's definitely a problem and i think probably my my feeling that she sounds a lot like other uh you know female solo pop artists right now is that her you know her most famous song stay is uh you for produced edm zed hit which i mean you can plug and play pretty much any female vocalist into those songs and they're going to come out the same um this uh, I I feel encouraged with the fact that she's trying to find subject matter and find uh, a, a voice outside of just being in that conventional pop sphere, and I think that I think this is a, a a sign of growth for her. I just think that, like you said, there's not a lot of teeth to this album. Um, I think I think the best songs are some of the softest on this, and that's going to be a a funny uh, juxtaposition to my, my take on the 1975 of here in, in a minute or so. But, uh, like, all we know. I, I think is a song that that has a really catchy chorus, builds up really beautifully, um, has almost like a, a really nice crescendo to that song. Um, I even thought "Growing Pains, like if you had to pick a second song, is, is a decent song. It's just, it's kind of boring. Like, <laughs> um, I think if, if anything, she could probably... Uh, benefit from working with some some unconventional producers maybe someone like a Jack Antonoff if she's going to stay in that pop sphere someone that can really add some some good twist to her her music but overall i think i don't think she's going anywhere i just think that she definitely needs to come out with a hit single somewhere
1: yeah it's funny cuz I was watching some videos recently of her performances, and like I said, she's not an amazing vocalist, but she's a great live performer. She actually sings really well, and the songs sound like the studio recordings, and that's not obviously easy to replicate, um, but like I said, I don't know if there's that many hits here, meaning we, we might, might be quiet on Gussie Car front until we get more music, and that's unfortunate, because I, like I said, I think there's some songwriting qualities that are strong on this, but... You know, at the end of the day, if you're making pop music, you need to pop.
0: (laughs) Ah, Alessia Cara. Well, maybe we'll have one of of her songs on our list. I'm not sure. Someone that you're probably going to make me put a song on our best of list. And I'm going to be very upset about it. The 1975. An inquiry into. A brief inquiry. A brief inquiry into online relationships. Interesting title seems like they're trying very hard to be uh catchy and deep uh, is my initial shorter take. than the last one <laughs> <laughs> good point uh yeah the 1975 they so what their their first album dropped five years ago 2013 yep that's right and since then they've been growing steadily into probably one of the most popular i guess rock like synth pop acts in the world uh and this, this album has been lauded as one of the best of the year. I think Time put it at number nine in their best albums of the year. Um, and it's been getting compared to OK Computer, or Kid A, one of those, uh, one of the most influential Radiohead. rock mm-hmm. songs of the la- or rock albums of the last 30 years. Uh, Dave, is this album this good? Is this transcendent? You know, it's funny. I think a
1: lot of the Lauding of the album is very meta. Mm. Like it's like the lyrical content, in terms of what they're talking about, it just it's it's such a good analog to what like life is in 2018. You know, online and stuff. I think that's really the 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 source of why people like it so much, is because they find the album very of the moment and also right. very relatable. And you know, as far as list making goes, that is a pretty good reason. You yeah, know? sure. And if you do like the music. And then you have that reason on top of it. I think it makes sense why a lot of people really like the album. And uh, obviously, as you've let on, you're not a fan at all. I um, I actually like a fair amount of it. Um, and I actually am much more intrigued about this band than I was before this album came out. That's for sure.
0: And I actually will agree with that sentiment, which is, I think, saying a lot about how much I didn't like them before, um, that an album which i did not enjoy very much actually made me more interested in them moving forward i do think there's moments on this and and a couple of songs in particular that stand out that i say okay i i get it and i can see why people really really love this band i think if i was 16 or 17 i would probably find them very intriguing because i'd be like wow i'm i'm very deep for listening to this music like check out check me (laughs) out i'm super woke i don't know man i found I, I i was texting you the other day when i was listening to it. i was keeping a track by track uh like like just journal of of my my experience i wrote down a lot of z's for being just totally asleep or, or not intrigued by a song um i actually thought the back half of the album had some of the best moments like i thought mine even though it's kind of uh kind of cheesy uh, in, in ways and very like soft song. Um also interesting to have like a jazz song on uh an album I think people expect it to be conventional pop or pop rock. Um I, I give I give Matt Healy a lot of credit for trying to do a lot and trying to pull a lot in. I just think that for how much attention they get and how people laud them as like i don't know the next Radiohead or uh writing the next we didn't start the fire i don't i don't see it like i it just doesn't hit with me not for me
1: yeah and i that's the thing i think all frame of reference for talking about 1975 whether you're a fan of them or being anti-fan they're not a rock band they're a pop pop act that has guitars they don't make rock music no and like yeah they jump around genres of quite a bit and i think that actually helps make this uh, album fun to listen to because the moments are varied in that regard mm. but this is not rock no like, your next thing you tell me that modern day panic of the disco is rock it's the right. same thing like it's just not it, And like i'm not saying you can't like it but don't call it rock because it's not really rock that's kind of the mm. issue we don't have rock right now all no. our rock is 21 pilots not rock 1975 <laughs> not rock or greta van Fleet, 40 year olds rock 40 year rock so there's like or it's Imagine Dragons, and Mumford and Sons, rock that's about nothing from people that have nothing to say. Right. So, I think rock fans knowingly will be frustrated when you throw Radiohead out sure. there when you're talking about this band, or even Billy Joel, right? Yeah. And I understand that, and I think that that that's a fair fair response. But I think if you view them as a contemporary pop act, I think that that it's a better thing of reference, and I like them in that regard. Um, I thought. You know they had moments that, like you said, there's a moment. It's a lot of moments on this, and I thought a song like Sincerity it's scary. In, is scary. Yeah, towards the middle, that has a chorus. Man, that has a cool background chorus, yeah. and I was like, "Fuck!" I actually love this song. This song mm-hmm. is dope. And then, like you mentioned, it Love It If We Made that's like the big hit. <laughs> uh, it's, not, it's actually it's not even that much of a hit right now, but it's it's the big song of the album. It's usually the one people are talking about. Mm. Um been compared to we didn't start the fire in terms of uh, lyrical content because it's you know it's funny i did not hear that until people started saying that and right. i still don't really hear it it's like it's about like it's in the same vein you know, i guess yeah it's like oh yeah it's funny one of my friends actually brought up um it's the end of the world by rem as right a yeah which makes sense in terms of the subject matter but it's also a very simple bop beat mm-hmm. you know yeah. i don't know i just it, it, it's an, it's an album that just flows until you really start listening to what he's actually saying um when
0: when you so, told me that that was being compared to or called like the millennial we didn't start the fire i think i literally wrote like this soft ass track like what is this like it's it's not interesting i couldn't believe that that was the one that was supposed to be jumping off to me and that seems to be the most uh beloved song from this album um you know i it's actually interesting because we you know i talked about how the second half of the album i really liked uh, i mean the names of these songs are just like I, <laughs> eye-rollingly bad like uh, you'd have to pick my eyes up off the floor the first time i read them but i couldn't i couldn't be more in love the 13th song on the album has this really great guitar solo and like if they wanted to lean into like a little bit more like hard rock sure try it like it, bring it on i think that they could really benefit from adding a little bit more teeth to their songs but um i mean i don't really see like i, I you you made a really great point i don't see a lot of difference between them and like one direction with like a, a better backing band
1: i i do think that their lyrics are more prescient sure like the, it's more focused lyrics yeah. it's more of the moment lyrics but yeah uh, sonically you're right um i couldn't be i couldn't be more in love so the last track you just mentioned uh, the beginning of that song, I think it uses the same exact key as R. Kelly's I Believe I Can Fly. <laughs> and then, shout out, friend of the show, Mike Lennon helped me figure that out, but that was fucking with my brain. I was like, <laughs> I heard that, and I was like, is this R. Kelly? Is this Boyz II Men? I know it's something. And it's only like 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 a lyric and a half, but it's all, the whole vibe is similar. And then um, later in that song, it's like, was it like um, these feelings? Uh is also very similar to I Believe I Can Fly. I was like, you know, it's tough to make <laughs> a 90s R&B joint these days. Sure. So, and it's not like they're really plagiarizing. So I thought that was, you know, a cool moment once I wrapped my head around it, which took me way too long to figure
0: out. Uh, <laughs> what did you think of I Like America and America Likes Me? Trash title, <laughs> but almost as trash. The last song is the worst title. I always want to die, parentheses, sometimes. Yeah
1: fucking so deep dude
0: i'm telling you if i was in high school this shit would be like right up my alley uh no i i like american america likes me i just wanted to bring it up because i i wrote down like is this a young thug track like it sounds like some dreamy ass like hip-hop and like there's like this like cringeworthy distortion on the vocals i don't know what they're trying to do there and i don't it didn't really hit but again like it's good to have ambition it's good that they're they're talking about things and taking chances i think I think some of the lyrics people found to be like very deep or interesting. I I think we either went over my head or went under my head I out. Don't, I don't know. Um, overall, I mean, I think that this is maybe one of the most hyped, hyped up albums that I, I, I can't really get on board with this year. Um, but 1975 ain't going nowhere, dog. Like we got like no. 20 more years of this shit. And honestly, like, I like Matty Healy as a frontman. I like him as a,
1: you know, music celebrity. He's a like a dick as a as a guy and he makes for a great quote. And he also like overcame heroin addiction the past year, right. so he's easy to root for in that regard. But yeah, like I think, you know, he's the definitely the the the, the mouthpiece for the band and he's is definitely a hedonist, but also the things they talk about, I think they really speak to people and it's funny because i mean like you said it's like they're really like inspired young people i think like the quote like white girl like put on the windows put your head out the window music it's like it used to be kings of leon to <laughs> right of now it's 1975 yeah you know and kings of leon also had critical merits mm-hmm. apart from appealing to the basic white girls nothing 1975 are in the same vein um you know, you mentioned the songs. Like, is this a Young Thug song. I think it's funny. I would love to hear what they could do with some hip-hop artists, some more hip-hop influence, just because my first experience with the band was when Travis Scott sampled them in 2014, sampled their song Money off their first album. Mm-hmm. And that song was great when Travis and Big Sean jumped on that. And that'd be cool. Mm-hmm. And again, they're not a rock band, so do what pop artists do. Join with the rappers, <laughs> you know? <laughs>
0: um, yeah. Then I mean... To go back to your point about Matt Healy as a front man, um, friend of the pod, uh, unofficial friend of the pod, my, my girlfriend Julianne, I uh, was listening to a, <laughs> an interview with him on XM Radio and he was talking about how he um, he basically has this issue about like he connects with all these fans and then he goes back to his hotel room and he, he, he's all alone and how it's hard for him to kind right. of have this duality. And, but and he never really feels like a famous person. How he never feels like he's gonna fit in as like a real like pop star, a real star. And Julian is like, if this is what he wrote the album album about, and she hasn't listened to it yet, then Lord wrote a better song about this when she was like thirteen than this guy probably is ever gonna write. So th- she she was mm. she's very anti nineteen seventy five at the moment. I think I actually think if she listened to it, she would like it because she's she's kind of basic at times like that. Uh, st- still love her though, but. Um, <laughs> It, we're just not going to have a 1975 album in our house. So I'll put it that way. I won't allow it, <laughs> uh, but we will have some of their tracks on our best of uh list. Probably this. We didn't start the fire for millennials. Um, I mean,
1: <laughs> You're so happy about this.
0: I, I actually wrote down. I just hate his voice. Like I think the singing just does. Uh, hey, I don't
1: know. that's fine. How many times is that the reason I don't like indie rock? True. It's the Same thing. True.
0: I you know? I think I think it's more like I, I want I think I want to like understand more what people like and I, I just can't see it I, I actually tweeted it out the other day just like I think that they're bad and they got a, a decent amount of response from basic white girls no offense shout out shout out friends oh, of the pot didn't see that it's okay it, <laughs> although a- Andrew Richmond totally on our side so I, I, I trust his critical opinion something not as many people are talking about but still a pretty enjoyable piece of of culture green book peter farley 82 percent on rotten tomatoes for this thing um it's interesting because i i left i left the theater and i went home and girlfriend julianne again she asked oh so tell me about the movie and i was like oh it was a a lot of fun and uh, I, i laughed a lot and there were a lot of things uh i thought were were really good about it and she's like she said, "Okay, like what?" And I was like, "Well, Viggo Morrison and Mer- Herschel Lee had a really good, uh, really good rapport." She's like, "Okay, well, what about the actual like plot?" And I was like, uh, "Black guy traveling through the south," and she's like, "And?" And I was like, "Kind of it, like, <laughs> what, <laughs> right. what You expect it to um, be. <laughs> and and I, the more I thought about, it, I was like, I don't really know what like the heart of this movie was, other than this like this friendship, and I think that that is probably why this movie is good and not great. Because you have these two amazing actors, Viggo Mortensen, you got Mahershala Ali, but it kind of skirts so many of the deeper issues that are going on at the heart of this, this tale. And it is, yeah. it's, it's based on a true story, but a lot of it is fictionalized that I, I don't think it actually says that much other than, um, I guess white people and black people can be friends. Maybe.
1: Yeah. <sighs> And, and and that was kind of an issue. I think the the trailer for Green Book is mm. laughably bad in terms of conveying what kind of movie it is. Because as soon as we heard about this movie, everyone's like, "It's driving Miss Daisy all over again, except mm. you flip the races." And it's like, you know, w- what's this movie gonna end? It's gonna, you know, what white guy finds out racism is bad, and he feels good about finding that out for himself, and then the audience will feel good too. It's like that's not a good message for 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 movies you know um and i agree i don't think the movie is like amazing but i think because it's honestly it's a fun watch despite some dark 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 subject matter um the rapport between vigo and marshala and just that banter they have throughout the movie uh just makes it really crowd-pleasing and enjoyable you know even if there might be some issues with the plotting and the actual storytelling, you know? So I think it's, um, it makes sense that it's been getting some critical attention. Uh, that being said, it, it actually kind of yeah. underperformed at the box office. I think a lot of people were thinking this could be like hidden figures, you know, do like really good numbers in terms of like a movie of the people that people would get up and see. And I think perhaps the marketing really hurt this because I don't think like it's not this horribly offensive, offensive movie. But on the other hand, right. it is about the white guy, you know, and maybe people aren't interested. Yeah. In and, the I, story.
0: you know, Tony Lip uh, seems like a pretty interesting guy. But how many times have we seen a character like Tony Lip in movies, whereas Don Shirley is it seems like a very unique character in terms of how learned he is, the uh, amount of fame and and success he was able to have, even though uh he was still in a country that was i mean that is still but especially at that time was even more divided by racism and inequality um and he's a pretty complex character i mean he even says i'm not white enough not black enough not enough of a man he's a he's a gay black man who's has yeah he has three what am i like phds it's fucking crazy and he basically is used as a tool you know, a MacGuffin to drive Tony's character development. Um, and I, I mean, it's written by his son, by Tony's real life son, uh, along with Farley and, uh, what's his name? Uh, Brian Curry, I believe. Yeah. Brian Hayes Curry. Yeah. So it makes sense that, you know, he makes his dad the, the focal point of this. Um, but at the same time I really feel like there was so much more that they could have gone into. I mean, even like the scene when Tony gets called down to the YMCA because they found uh Don with a white man in the showers. They basically gloss over that and he just is like ah and I know it's a complex world. Don't worry about it.
1: Yeah, and I agree. I think um the movie just pulls its punches for the sake of perhaps not veering too far in one lane or the other, you know, like you said, whenever there is a moment for them to actually try and say something. And again, it's like the conclusions are obvious to anyone well-meaning person. Right. But the movie still doesn't really, you know, go there or anything. It's always about Tony being, you know, you seeing how Tony reacts to the situation and changes mm-hmm. as a man, you know, and it's all, you know, and Don Shirley as a character in the film is basically servicing tony's transformation as a person so i agree i do think there was you know mixed miss, missed opportunities um but on the other hand it's like do mass audiences want to see lots and lots of hard n-words and like blatant racism like is that what, is that all is sure. that what we needed maybe not so i you know I, i'm not saying i have the answers either but um i think for what it is i do think it again i think it's a still an enjoyable Joyable film that I thought ended uh, pretty well and it was honestly pretty warm um, and I was again happy to see that given the What did you think of
0: Mahershala's performance in this? Mm-hmm.
1: Honestly it's pretty understated like I said he's not the star of the film in terms of like lines or anything but also like he you know he's not he doesn't have mm-hmm. as many showy scenes as Vigo does and uh, maybe Merchantley likes roles like this. Again, he was not the star of Moonlight either. Mm-hmm. Still won an Academy Award for that. But honestly, no. I think, um, despite the fact that Don Shirley in the movie is, you know, a guy trying to fit into the world in multiple ways, mm-hmm. it, his character was kind of a straight arrow. You know, <laughs> not not literally straight. You know what I mean? But so uh, I don't know. I I I, I kind of would have liked more, but again, they, they chose not to make made the movie about Tony lip. So that's what we got. But yeah, I mean, what did you think? Did you, I mean, obviously he was good. I, I did want
0: but more, but I feel like the scenes commercial? when he was able to, uh, to, especially use his non-verbals, like the, the scene where, uh, right, right after Tony gets him out of the situation where he's, he's caught with another man and he, you know, talks him out of it. And, uh, they, you know, tony gets approached by one of his like friends from the bronx who's somehow down in the south and is like oh if you need a job come talk to me and tony's about to go down and talk to him and he, the way that yeah mahershala has that conversation portrays right. that like fear that and that like longing for for tony not to go and not to leave him i thought was was fantastic and it's those sort of moments which make me i mean just remember how much of a fucking class act Mahershala Ali is and how he's like well, he needs more work just like give him more roles uh, I'm so excited for True Detective season 3 now especially like seeing more and more of the trailers I'm like oh this is gonna be fucking sick um, although we said the same thing about season 2 and eh true but yeah I, I thought that was great and Vico Mortensen so fucking funny dude like the way he was able to play these lines I was blown away I did not think he had yeah. that in him what did you think
1: of uh both the characterization of Tony Left but that just in general the pretty portrayal of Italians <laughs> in the movie. What'd you think of that? Yeah, I thought it was pretty I like 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 you know mm-hmm. what Tony eats a shit ton is vulgar. Yeah. is street smots, you know, it's like and then has, you know, maybe not blatant racism, but he still has, you know, racist beliefs at least in the start of the film, right? And was like in the all the other guys like it's like yeah, this is this is mm-hmm. some 60s Italians, right? <laughs> like, they love Roger Maris. Um, you know, it's like, uh, <laughs> it was a little off. But I, I thought um Linda Cardellini
0: mm-hmm. as
1: uh, Dolores' wife, she was actually pretty good. Yeah, at, definitely. Uh, and of, I really thought some had. of my
0: favorite, like, scenes to laugh at were when she was reading the letters that Don was obviously writing for Tony. Um, and, like, especially when she was reading them aloud and the guys were like, you know, these letters pretty good like i i really just like got a great kick out of that and i i thought the rapport between you know like him and his family was was fantastic and fun to be around that's the thing i come back to this is like it's an enjoyable movie to like watch and be a part of i just think for the players in it and for the subject matter it could have been so much more um and they almost like played it too safe just not to ruffle feathers bit of a missed opportunity but
1: any last thoughts on green book you know, like you said i think um i expected it to be more cringy than it was go go like, support
0: it like uh, said, because we, we like commercial ali and, and vigo mortensen shout out the the king uh what do we what are we talk about next week dave what we got
1: yeah next week uh well wednesday the marvels is Maisel season two drops on amazon 10 episodes and advanced reviews say it's slow down it's still great and i'm excited for that i love that show um obviously just won a shit ton emmys for this first season um so that's on wednesday and then musically we have the xxs tentacion posthumous album which if you listen to our little peep review you probably know our thoughts on that's that existence uh gucci main has an album 21 savage might have an album ice cube has an album we'll talk about that if it's actually good i guess um and then netflix is releasing Mowgli, the other Jungle Book movie that Andy Circus made, that they shot like three years ago. It's finally coming out, so I'm intrigued to see it. And the reviews are not super great or anything, but good talent in that. And I just want to see why. Yeah. What, what, this well, movie what, was do,
0: what do you think about this? Anime, uh, you know, <laughs> Black Mirror Bandersnatch coming out at the end of the month. Yeah, uh,
1: I just don't want Black Mirror yet. Can we, can we can we wait yeah. like
0: a year and a half right
1: 14 months can you just not drop it at the end of the <laughs> we're in oscar season you know we're in list making time and again i know a lot publications make the lists already because they get to see shit early and it's like I, I don't need black mirror to fuck up my thinking the way run the jewels three did the way black mirror did last year just 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 wait and it's like
0: Definitely. I I feel the same way. Um, (laughs) Although one thing I will add that we'll probably talk about next week. uh, Killing Eve finally came to Hulu. So I'm going to finish that shit this weekend and we're going to talk about it next week. So stay tuned. Follow us. Yeah, seriously. Follow us at (laughs) NostalgiaPod on Twitter. It's SoundCloud.com slash NostalgiaPod. Go follow our playlist again. uh, Nostalgia Best 2018 on Spotify. And give us a reading and review on iTunes. We love you. We appreciate you. Peace out.